Welcome one and all to Merely Roleplayers, where theatrical people play role-playing games. I'm Matt Boothman, I'm your compare for this backstage episode from the Main House production. Uh, I'm joined backstage in the para- uh, para- pandemic lockdown bunker, I nearly said paramedic lockdown, that's not it, uh, by Helen. Hi. Welcome. Uh, by Vicky. Hello. And by... And we need disambiguation here because we have many of them. Chris Buxy, welcome. Hello. Uh, how are we all doing? Good. Yeah, I think fine. As, yeah. as good as we can be in lockdown. Yeah, looking forward to meeting Chris's character. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to meeting him too. He sounds very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Based on the notes I've already made. <laughs> Uh, because we're not we're not playing ourselves uh, in this one, that is not a narcissistic statement. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I made notes for all the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> it would be so sad though if you j- just made him Chris and you were already like, nah, he's not my kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so can we start off, Chris, with uh, let us know which monster of the week playbook you picked and what drew you to that one? Cool. Okay. So. I am playing the expert. So the expert is, you know, sort of somebody who's um, spent a lot of time studying monsters and um, the occult and the sort of paranormal. But it's also, uh, well, I get the impression that it's more of a sort of support character. And uh, I generally sort of prefer to play uh, support characters rather than sort of um, frontline characters. So, you know, if I'm just sort of looking things up in books and giving people advice, then that's really not too far from my day job. So... Uh, <laughs> I don't have to sort of uh, role play too far outside my comfort zone. So uh, that's what drew me to the expert. So this is your sort of, uh, if, we're, if we're looking at uh, Buffy as the archetypal monster of the week, this is your Giles type. Um, are there any other kind of examples of the expert in, uh, in other books, TV, uh, comics, anything like that, that, that kind of, that you have in your head that you're drawing on? Actually, um, to be honest, it's, it's mainly Giles that I was sort of thinking about when I was doing this. I, I haven't sort of, uh, I'm not looking to recreate Giles, but he has the sort of main point of reference because, you know, who doesn't love Giles? An icon. Exactly. <laughs> well, let's start going through the playbook. Mm-hmm. The first thing that we do uh, with these is uh, decide what you're, well, actually, the first thing is if you have one, do you have a name for this character yet? Or is that something you'd like to do later? No, I certainly do have a name. My name is Calisteria Softbinding. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Can you say the surname again for me? Say the surname again. Softbinding. Yeah, love it. Yeah. <laughs> that is quite a name. Thank you. Well, it's uh, Calisteria Softbinding. Is a, uh, he's a horror writer. And that's actually his pen name because, you know, you can't let the forces of darkness know your true name. <laughs> that's the name he'll be hunting monsters under anyway <laughs> do we ever get to, uh do you want to keep the real name a secret or do we get to know uh, that? I, I, you never know who's listening i think <laughs> it should uh, remain a secret for the moment okay oh well <laughs> listen out this is going to be a big reveal because <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we know tr- true names have power often they do exactly okay so uh your look the playbook has some options for gender presentation. It has some options for your face uh, and mm-hmm. it has some options for your clothes. Are you picking options from those lists or do you just have a general idea of what this person looks like? 
Yes, well, I mean, my sort of uh, general idea actually sort of meshed quite well with the options. So um, male with a thoughtful face and probably just sort of casual clothes, you know, um, uh, not sort of particularly equipped for adventure, but, you know, not um, not especially sort of tatty or anything, just, you know, casual clothes, like what I'm wearing now. <laughs> Yeah, and we can interpret that however we like uh, whenever you're in a scene. You can uh, always change it around. You don't have to wear the same thing all the time. Mm-hmm. And then uh, ratings or stats. Any any choice you make, you're going to have sharp plus two. And sharp mm-hmm. is the stat that you use to do things like actually investigate the mystery or uh, look around you for possible dangers in a bad situation. So you're going to have a plus two to that. Uh, but mm-hmm. what are you thinking in terms of your other stats? Um, so it was actually quite a hard choice, I thought. Um, but in the end, I went for the one that is charm minus one, cool plus one, uh, sharp plus two. Obviously, I haven't got a choice there. Tough zero and weird plus one. Because um, I, I kind of wanted to keep things sort of fairly balanced. I did consider the weird plus two, but um, that sort of then gives you minuses elsewhere and i just wanted sort of generally sort of balanced uh stats i went for sort of the minus one on charm because uh i see calisterius being a, a slightly lonely figure you know doesn't interact you know too often often sort of alone with his books or doing some writing so um not necessarily good at talking to people or charming people so uh that's why i went with that one is minus one but um i have a question based on that because mm-hmm. that that means that sure. you're you're not necessarily like the best with people or or Mm -hmm. at least at getting people to sort of do things for you. And that's something that like, there's a, there's a a level of success at which authors have to start interacting with people more and like their publishers send them out on book tours and things like that. So how successful a writer is, is this person? Um, Not super successful. I'm not picturing. What I'm imagining is that he's sort of like a horror writer, had some sort of moderate success and started sort of uh, researching into monsters and folklore while researching his next book and then uh, realised, to his surprise, that it was all real. Monsters were real, magic was real. And he also realised that hunting monsters was a brilliant way of procrastinating about writing his next book. Oh, God. Oh, it's too real. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I don't imagine it was sort of uh, super successful. I was sort of picturing that uh, the setting, the town we're going to be in is probably his hometown. So, you know, he's he's made a bit of money, uh, might be known in some circles, but he hasn't sort of moved away or anything. He hasn't made his fortune, mainly because he spent too much time sort of uh, hunting monsters. There's probably like a particular convention, like one one of the conventions on the horror convention circuit that, like where all his fans go and gather. Yes. So he has a rep there. This is all very interesting. So you get you get some moves off a, mm-hmm. a list of expert moves as well. You get to pick two of these. Do you know what you're going for? Or I do. I'm gonna go for the first one on the list, which is I've read about this sort of thing. So that will let me roll plus sharp instead of plus cool when acting under pressure. I've picked these not for what they do, but for, you know, what seems to fit with the character. So I can kind of see Calisteris go, oh, yeah, I've I've read about this thing. You know, I I know about this. That's fine. And I've also picked preparedness as well, which is the ability 
which lets you roll to see if you have something rare or unusual to hand when you need it. Because again, he spent a lot of time alone, a lot of time researching. So he's used this time to build up a stash of, uh, of things that he might need. Uh, yes, all the time reading, researching and ordering things off weird collectors. Yes. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. And then, excitingly, the expert also gets a haven. Yes. A safe place where you can work that gets some some abilities as well. Before we go into which options you picked for the haven, what do you see Calisterius's haven mm-hmm. actually being? Well, I imagined that... You know, with with the sort of little bit of money he's made, I imagine that sort of in his local library, he's sort of sponsored a, an occult sort of wing, an extra sort of wing for the library. Super cool. Yeah, which people sort of, it's, you know, the Calisterius wing, and people think it's just a collection of rare books. You know, nobody really goes there, but his name's above the door of a little silver plaque. He quite likes that. It's like a, sm- it's a small town library that has like all of the Harry Potters and like children's books books about the local area in like the main room and then just this massive wing of like necronomicons and yeah. Ar- <laughs> ars maleficarums uh, yeah it's uh, exactly that basically it's sort of things that he's collected things he sort of sponsored the building of the wing and then sort of uh, donated part of his collection to it so i imagine that is his haven so the sort of attributes i imagine for this is mystical library cool so it's got sort of a collection of sort of old sort of books about magic and sort of the supernatural. Protection spells. So the haven is safe from monsters. Uh, monsters cannot enter it, basically. There are sort of magical wards all around it, so sort of nothing, uh, nothing evil can get in. And then the final, and I sort of, I am denied about this, but <laughs> in the end I settled for the um, oubliette as the final feature. Um, I imagine that underneath the wing is basically some sort of warded and shielded dungeon that uh, Calisterius had sort of commissioned on the sly, basically in case he encounters something which needs to be shut away where no one can find it. So it's, you know, if you pull the right book out, it opens the entrance to it and it's just it's under the wing of the, uh, of the public library. So I just think it's important to mention at this point that in keeping with the character that I will at some point be discussing, I've written, where's the secret door in the library down in my notes. (laughs) (laughs) Just before you started. Excellent. (laughs) So that has very much fit with my expectations. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad as I could. This gives me a new a new vibe for Calisterius, which is that not only is is he a so he's a he's a horror writer who's discovered that the things he was writing about were real that that's obviously a thing, but that also he he sounds like a bit of a prepper. Mm-hmm. I, I think it is in a lot of ways because he doesn't have a lot else to do with his sort of time really. He's just looking to you know put off writing, so he's hunting monsters, he's building up magical supplies. There's sort of uh, nobody else particularly uh, in his life, so. Uh, yeah, he spent his time being super prepared. Yeah, and the oubliette is a kind of like, I hope I won't need this, but I'll be yeah. proper, pr- properly prepared for it if I need to. Yes, exactly. Especially as he's not particularly sort of tough or streetwise, so he's just sort of going for the equipment approach. Um, so you also get some some personal gear. Uh, you get to pick three specialist monster-slaying weapons. Uh, so what do you want there? I thought about what Calisterius would probably have, and uh, I just couldn't justify to myself taking things like the flamethrower or the shotgun. I just don't think that's his sort of thing, really. 
so I went with the mallet and wooden stakes because that's, you know, you can pick that up anywhere. So the silver sword, because I think you'd have a cool sword, you know, something that he'd sort of acquired at great expense. Um, Which you could pass off as a writing award if you need. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's a good one, yeah. <laughs> it's just sort of on the wall, you know, in the, uh, in the Calisterius wing of the library. And uh, also the uh, juju bag, because that sort of fits in with the whole sort of prepper, preparedness, the sort of uh, defense against magic. So yeah, those will be my, um, my three bits of gear. Right. Uh, so there is, there is a little more on the character sheet. There are some introductions and history options, but we're going to hold off doing those until we actually start playing a session and getting into the story. Oh, okay. Oh, I just, I just thought I had one more bit of backstory oh, yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Um, I imagine that sort of a lot of his research and everything would um, have sort of raised some flags at the government department at mm-hmm. uh, Doom. And uh, he was sort of basically invited in for sort of uh, a briefing and questioning and, um, you know, just to see what sort of knowledge he had. And he had to sort of chat with some of the officials and then they sort of sent him away again and said, um, you know, we'll be in touch. But uh, but they never were, basically. So this, is, this sort of kind of plays on his mind a bit. It's like, did, did they not need me? Are they going to get in touch? You know, <laughs> Am I still in their system? Yeah, what, what's going on? <laughs> um, well, what did you tell them? Did you tell them what you knew or did you lie? Oh, no. Well, I, told, I was very pleased to be called upon for my expertise. So I sort of, <laughs> you know, I told them some interesting things they, I'd found out. Some of them they, they already knew. Some of them they didn't know and they made some notes. But... Uh, yeah, I just I got the impression that I'd I'd be called back at some point to do some official monster hunting, but the call never came. So, well, their loss is our gain. Indeed, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so when we when we start the story, you're you will already be working with this um, like the Sheridan community uh, monster hunting efforts that has stepped in where the the DO has withdrawn. So when we when we hit that point when we start the story, how long ago do you think you found out about this this hidden world of monsters and magic? How long have you known? Um, I think it's probably a few years. You know, I spent a few years building up the sort of uh, resources and stuff. Probably something in the region of like five years or something. Yeah, long enough to have because obviously that you'd have built the library wing after finding out all of this stuff because it's got all of the specialist yep. bits. Great. And uh, uh, one of the details of of magic in this setting is that your brain, your your flimsy human brain, is always trying to forget about it. It's trying to protect you from it by just erasing it from your memory, all, all memory of monsters and magic. So, how do you stop it doing that? Well, I think any time Calisterius finds some, reads something interesting in a book about monsters, something he really needs to remember, he gives himself a really bad paper cut between his fingers <laughs> with the page of the book that uh, the information was on. And, uh, you know, whenever the paper cuts twinge, that just reminds him of all the stuff he's learned. That's a really weirdly interesting ritual aspect to it that I, <laughs> that I, I, I like and I'm also slightly creeped out by, which is the, yeah. a good vibe. That's <laughs> yeah. so ick. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the, the usual ending question, uh, what made you join this organisation? Is it, it purely to procrastinate from writing uh, or is there a is there a more noble aim in there somewhere <laughs> well it's sort of um 
Calisteris likes to tell himself that it's because he's he's reached the limits of what he can do by himself. He needs to do some research with other people. But I think really deep down, it's that he's still sort of really annoyed about, well, quite irked about not getting the call back from the government. So he's sort of out to prove them wrong. And also a little bit of fear of missing out as well. You know, other people are hunting monsters and he's, he's, he wants to be involved. So, you know, he's got the expertise. It's, it's important that it's used. Don't leave it out. So I think that's his motivation. Uh, and you said that this is someone who who doesn't really have people and doesn't really have much else going on in his life. Does he have, if this is his hometown, does he still have any family here or relatives, friends, anything like that, do you think? Um, probably a few, yes. I haven't given that much thought. Probably a few that he doesn't sort of see that often, you know, just sort of perhaps, you know, touch base with family once a month or something, maybe sort of parents in a care home or something like that. Calisterius uh, never never calls the, these past five years. He hasn't had time for us. <laughs> no, exactly. Yes, <laughs> too busy giving himself paper cuts. <laughs> <laughs> Can't dial the phone anymore. <laughs> Does anybody else uh, have any questions about this character before we wrap up? My only thought was about the Haven and about mm-hmm. whether it's going to be that it's got some sort of measure of good and evil that stops monsters getting in, or if it's just all monsters, bang. Interesting. Yes, good point. You don't have to have an answer now. It's just depends whether you want to mess with people or non-people at some point down the road, I suppose. Yes, that's true. That had me... That's sent me down the road of what is the SI unit for evil and <laughs> how, how can I set the uh, wards properly? Possibly. I'll, I'll have to think about that one because, yes, if we have people who are... Yeah, well, the, the description of the Haven says it's, it's monsters that it doesn't let in as opposed yeah. to good or evil. It's a good question. I'll think about that. I'm sure we can find a way to uh, make some exception. At the, very, at the very worst, we can open a window and yell to someone <laughs> who waits outside <laughs> on the bench. Yeah, because what... One way, one way to like draw the line would be like it, it doesn't let in anything that like is affected by that effect. That like the beings that are uh, removed from memory, but that also yeah might apply to some of your fellow hunters. <laughs> yeah, or perhaps doesn't let in anything that's not invited. Yeah. Oh yeah, that could that could work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You you get to you get to define that and decide how that works. So. Anything magical that's not invited, yeah. Because otherwise no one could go in there. In a lot of the lore in, I think mostly in Supernatural, the wards are normally physical things that are drawn. So it might be that you can, if if they're things that are drawn with like tape or something, that you can peel it back to let something in and then seal it back up again. That's also uh, a good approach. You know, um, like wings or or theatres or things like that sometimes they do fundraising and you can like sponsor a seat or sponsor a shelf or something like that. So it yeah. could be you, you're only allowed in the wing if uh, you've sponsored a shelf and you have your name carved into it. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. If you've got, if you've got a book on the shelf with your, with a, with your personal book plate in it, you can come in. We can, yeah. have fun. we can, we can have fun with this. We'll work. Yeah. Something. Absolutely. We can think about this one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Still some things to, to work out in play, but for now, Chris, you're ready to play. Mm, excellent. Watch out, monsters. We're coming.
This has been Vigil, a main house production from Nearly Role Players. It stars Natalie Winter as Gwyneth, Marta da Silva as Harper, Ellen Gould as Jess Butterworth, and Chris Buxey as Calisteria Softbinding. I'm Matt Boothman, and I play the supporting cast. Editing and sound designer by me, and the theme music is by Alexander Pankhurst. We were playing Monster of the Week, a role-playing game by Michael Sands, published by Evil Hat Productions. You can find Monster of the Week at genericgames.co.nz. Merely Role Players is a Foggy Outline production in association with Blackshaw Theatre Company. Until next time, if drama be the food of life, play on. Is the library uh, the only feature you'd like to add to the town, or are there any others? The library is all I've thought about, to be honest. <laughs> it's it's yeah. all I've thought about these past five years. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, no, just the library. That'd be good for me.